Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Baptist Church, First Baptist Church here in Coleraine, Massachusetts. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate that. We've started, we'll start a new book today. Titus, we were carrying on from Second Timothy. So uh, we're going to learn about him and what, what Paul, the apostle, writes to Tim Titus about and uh, who he is and everything like that. Just ask the question before Rick comes up and reads the first chapter of Titus. If you were to go away somewhere, you had to go away, and you didn't know when you were coming back. But you hoped you would come back. Who would you leave in charge of your business and your home? And who would you leave in charge? Can you think of somebody you could uh, leave behind who you could trust in your absence? Well, that's what Paul did. He trusted Titus. So we're going to read the first chapter. I'll be reading chapter 1 of Titus, the 16 verses of that chapter. If you're using the Pew Bibles, you'll see that that starts on page 1856. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect, and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and at his appointed season he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. 
Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, so that they may be sound in the faith, and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. May the Lord bless the word, reading of his word to our hearts this morning. Thank you, Rick. So, this is the introduction from Paul, the Apostle Paul, to Titus, introducing Paul's letter to Titus. That's uh, number one in your handout. We obviously, like I said, going to begin to study this letter, this book to Titus, starting today. So let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again for each one that are here, those that are watching and listening. Appreciate that, and we just pray we'll be in tune with your spirit. You'll teach us something new today, and we'll learn from your word and put it into practice in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, verses 1 through 4, this chapter introduces the Apostle Paul to pastor and his purpose in life. And uh, Paul founded that church on the island of Crete. And he had to leave to put Titus in charge while he was gone, to overseer. That's what a pastor is, an elder is, and also an overseer. And he left Titus in charge to run the church, not just one church, but in numerous churches in Crete, many, many Cretans had come to know Jesus as their personal saviour. Of course, they were Gentiles, majority of them were, but there were also some Jews as well. The island of Crete, uh, if you don't know already, lies off the south coast of Greece, right in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. So these people are Cretans, but they, they're Greeks as well. They spoke Greek. And we believe that Titus was from this island also. So he was probably saved. Well, we know he was through Paul's preaching when Paul went there as a missionary. It, this letter includes uh, requirements for being appointed as an elder, as a pastor, an overseer. And uh, these requirements that Paul expects Titus to follow through when selecting, when appointing, when ordaining leaders of the churches on Crete. We don't know how many churches there were, but there was more than one. In verse 4, Paul refers to Titus just like he did to Timothy as his son, as his true son. To Titus, my true son in our common faith. 
So it was through Paul's preaching that Titus came to know Christ as his saviour. Uh, Titus was a Gentile, like I said, probably became a Christian due to Paul's preaching. He was Paul's spiritual son as a result of that, not being born physically, but being born spiritually by the Holy Spirit, having received Jesus as his personal saviour. And he was never the same again. And he ended up being the leader, the main man in the church in Crete. It's amazing what God can do in the life of a person if uh, we allow him to do that. Paul gives his usual greeting, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, because Jesus is also God, so he's on par with the Father and also the Holy Spirit. Grace and peace, you only can receive the grace of God by receiving the God of grace, Jesus Christ as our personal saviour. We can only receive God's peace when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal saviour. Amen? Do you, have, do you have peace in this world that this world cannot give you? Well, you can if you receive Jesus. Now, verse 5, Paul explains the reason for this letter. He and Titus ministered together, evangelizing the people of Crete. Like I said, many of them became Christians. It was like a revival in that island. Then later, Paul had to leave. So he left Titus behind for a couple of reasons. Like I said, he was responsible to appoint elders in every church town. Based on the qualifications from verses 6 through 9, which we've already covered when we studied the book of Timothy. It's no different. So what else was Titus to do in Paul's absence? He was to make a stand against false teachers. This, this is a problem in the early church we've already studied and it was no different on the island of Crete. False teachers that existed on Crete within the church at that time. Phony teachers was a large-scale problem for the early church and a problem for Titus as well, who ministered on Crete. Paul refers to these false teachers as empty talkers, you know, the, uh, you kick an empty can down the road, they make the loudest noise. Empty talkers and deceptive, real sneaky-like, just like Satan, real subtle, sneaky. Those of the circumcision group, that's in your handout, number four. Those of the circumcision party, the circumcision group, were religious Jews within the early church who taught that the Gentile Christians must be circumcised once they became a Christian. And not only circumcised, they had to obey not just the law of Moses, but also the customs and the traditions of these overzealous Jews. 
So, in order to protect the church on Crete, Paul commands that these false teachers be silenced. He doesn't mince words, you know. To stop the spread of their lies that would influence those new believers to be led astray, to believe a belief system that was based on works, not reliance on the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So in verse 13, in the 16 verses in this chapter, Paul tells Titus to rebuke them sharply. Don't pussyfoot around. Rebuke them sharply by teaching the truth. And Paul is providing compelling reasons to oppose these troublemakers because they were dividing families. They were dividing families and deceiving people, not just to bring them on their side, but also for financial gain. For financial gain, they were doing it for the shekels, or whatever the currency was in Crete at the time. I don't know, I wasn't there. So these false teachers, in the early church, a lot of these false teachers, they came in from other areas into different churches. But these false teachers, these were Cretans. They were native from Crete, native-born Jews, who at some stage had heard the gospel, and some of them may have been converted to Christianity. Or they pretended to convert, but they never really renounced their belief system that salvation comes through keeping the law, the Old Testament law, plus this on top of another, the customs, the traditions, added law upon law upon law. They were legalists. They weren't truly saved. So that's what they taught the Gentile Christians. It was confusing them and it was dividing families. Because some were following these false teachers and others were listening to the true teacher, Titus, and based on the word of God. Amen? So it was necessary for Titus to rebuke them sharply so they could be silenced, he said. That's what he said. That's what Paul says. Don't mess about. Don't miss words. Paul reminds Titus that what they're teaching... Is a false gospel. It's not a true gospel. The true gospel is that Jesus saves by grace through faith in him alone, not by works of the law, not by keeping the works of the law. That the gospel message was for everyone, not just for Gentiles, but also for the Jews, whether you're Jew, Gentile, red, yellow, black and white, brown, whatever the case. Jesus died for all the children of the world. Amen? So you can become a child of God. Thank God that we are. 
Jesus came to fulfill the law and set up, which he will one day's kingdom, to set us free from the bondage of the law, not to make us slaves to the law. So in verse 12, he quotes from uh, an old 6th century prophet. I did have his name, but it really doesn't matter who he was. Uh, It was from Crete this old 6th century prophet, to confirm a well-known fact in those days. So if you're from Crete and you're listening to this message, don't be offended because this is back then in the 6th century, in this case, the 1st century. And he compares these uh, Cretans, these false teachers, who were also from Crete, with these other Cretans that he calls, he says that they're always lazy, they're, they're, they're always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. And that's Paul the Apostle. Oh, Paul, how could you use such language? Can't you be a bit more diplomatic? I mean, that's not very loving of you. You know, we're supposed to love one another, right? Yes. How could you say such things? Uh, We're not to judge people, are we? Can't you be more diplomatic? No. He says they're always liars, evil brutes and lazy gluttons. So he commands Titus, rebuke them, rebuke them which implies challenging, shaming, correcting, and exposing them for what they were, heretics. That's number seven. So the meaning of rebuke is, uh, is, is tar- targeting believers or those pretending to believe in Christ, who were teaching lies that contradicted the word of God. That's called heresy. So anyone that does that is a heretic. Very simple. They were to be corrected sharply, abruptly. And this is not a topic suitable for gentleness, because false teachers have the potential to greatly damage the church by dividing it. And that's exactly what was happening back in the church in Crete. That's what they do. That's Satan's plan. And using these false prophets to cause trouble, to break up the church, to draw people away, to join their group, the circumcision group. So to rebuke the false teachers, it was trying to also help them live according to God's truth, which they didn't preach. And Proverbs chapter 28, 23 says, whoever rebukes a person rather than the one who has a flattering tongue, whoever rebukes a person in the end gains favor rather than the one who has a flattering 
tongue. So these false teachers, they, they, they even went beyond just teaching the, the law of Moses, known as the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament, known as the law. The first five books, the Pentateuch. They went beyond that. They were also adding to it, promoting Jewish myths and traditions that they believe the Christian Gentiles should also follow. And Jesus, you know, he constantly had to deal with these religious teachers in his day that added Jewish traditions to be followed on top of what God had already commanded the Jews to do. There's some water here. Just and grab some. They added about, are you paying attention? 613 commands. There's 613 commands in the Old Testament, not just the Ten Commandments. 613 commands the Jews are supposed to follow. But these religious Pharisees in Jesus' day and also these false teachers, what they did, they added over 1,500 additional laws on top of that. Man, we can't even keep one of them, let alone 10 of them, you know? So, again, the 613 commandments in the Old Testament to the Jews, and they added 1,500 more on top of that. Impossible. Nobody can keep it. It's never designed for that. It's to lead us to Christ. Show us that we're sinners. So, what they, these religious Jews, they believed these fence laws, as they called them, the ones, the 1,500 laws added on top of the 613 commandments, the best way to keep people from breaking God's law was to build a protective barrier around the law, the Torah, even though the Lord never told them to do that. The Apostle Paul was in no way against the law. He was a Jew because it's God's word but he was against inaccurate interpretations of the law. Rightly so. Amen. He was more concerned over instructions coming from those who had rejected the truth. Some believers had even embraced this teaching of the false teachers and accepted their words as true. And like I said before, they were dividing the families because... They were deceived. So to conclude then, this first chapter, Paul commands in no uncertain terms Titus to rebuke those people sharply, immediately, in order to stop the problem from spreading, which it will, like a cancer, unless it's cut out. The Christians in Crete were not to follow the false teachings of people who had turned away from the truth and taught, as he said in Galatians, another gospel. And he said, anyone who preaches, teaches another gospel, let them be accursed. All right? So it's serious stuff. Wouldn't want to be in their shoes. 
Instead, they were to follow the teaching of Jesus revealed in his word. Undiluted, unpolluted truth written by his prophets so people could be saved and then live by faith. Once we get saved, we're saved by faith through grace and then we are to live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us in order to bring us to God. So, like I said, Paul doesn't mince words or he's not concerned about hurting the feelings of those wolves in sheep's clothing that were attempted to scatter the sheep. Giving out false information about God, he says they were, his words, they're impure in their mind and conscience. And their true nature was detestable. Detestable. They claimed to obey God. They claimed to love God. But they were disobedient hypocrites. Unfit, Paul says, for doing anything good. Satan was using these people to divide the church. That's what he does. That's what he's trying to do today. That's what he's been trying to do for the last 2,000 years. Things haven't changed. Then you've got people like Titus. These godly elders who were above reproach, who neither added to the word of God, didn't take anything away from it, and faithfully taught it. And Paul says, you keep on teaching the truth. And hopefully those heretics will come to the saving knowledge of the Lord and be saved. That's the only way they can change. Now, quote verse 9, and I'll finish. This is what Paul says regarding these upright pastors like Timothy. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine. And not only that, refute those who oppose it. All right? And that's what he was supposed to do. Refute those who oppose it. And that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's what I'll continue to do. In the name of the Lord. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful again for your word. And you make it clear. Help us to study it ourselves. Help us to read it every day. Not just to gather dust on the shelf for our own edification. It does us good and we need it each and every day. So we thank you for your word. We thank you that we've started to study this letter from Paul to faithful pastor Titus. 
and Paul could totally rely on him to carry on the good work that he had started and help us to do that as well, to stand firm and not turn back, to, to hold on to your word and not, uh, not compromise the truth that is written therein. I'd like to address those of you that haven't received Christ as your personal savior. I hope and pray that you will for your own benefit because unless you receive him, then you're still lost in your trespasses and sins and you're headed to a lost eternity. You will leave this world and you'll go directly to the place called hell. And the, God doesn't want you to go there. This is why he sent his son Jesus, and he paid that price, the sacrifice. He sacrificed himself in your place. He took the punishment that you deserve for the sins that you've committed. That's how much he loves you. So the person who loved you that much, are you still going to continue to reject him? You either reject him or you receive him. If you reject him, then you reject God and you'll go directly to hell. But if you receive him, call upon him, ask him to save you because you're a sinner, believe in your heart that he is Lord, that God raised him from the dead on the third day and he's alive and then he ascended into heaven and he's, that's where he's sitting, on the right hand of God the Father and ever lives to make intercession for us. Believe and receive. Jesus is your Savior and you'll never be the same again. And when you do, you'll have a peace that passes all understanding that you can't receive anywhere else in this world. And then get into a church where they teach the word of God and they preach the word of God and uh, grow in your faith and in the knowledge of the Lord. And I hope and pray that you do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you all. I hope to see you again soon. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.